Well, welcome to uh, our, our service. We're so glad that you're tuning in. Uh, it's gonna be coming up here in just a minute, but before you do that, we wanna encourage you, if you're not following us, uh, please do that. If you haven't liked the video, go ahead and like that. It helps with the algorithm and all that, you know, YouTube stuff. But we hope you enjoy the service. So glad you all are here uh, today. It is a very special weekend for our church. Um, one of the... So we as a church, we have three kind of core purposes that we're going after in terms of what it looks like to be a disciple. One is all things with Christ, just living this life of intimacy with Jesus. And then one is as a thriving family, we wanna do this in relationships with other people. And then we have this third area that we call bringing hope to all people. We wanna impact our world. We want to impact people with the love and the truth of Jesus. And so for us, that includes a huge emphasis on local outreach, loving our community well, and there are tons of things going on in that area. And it also includes a significant influence, emphasis on global outreach, moving towards some significant global needs around the world. And there, there are I wanted to give you just a real quick snapshot here. There are three primary areas of focus that we have when we're thinking about impacting things, people internationally. So one is our international training institutes, our ITIs, where we are providing biblical training for church leaders who don't have access to that. This year, it's, it's four day long courses that they take in various areas. This year, we're, there, there are 180 ITIs. You can do the math. That divided by 52 weeks, you know, they're <laughs> averaging more than three a week in over 30 countries around the world. So we love ITI, pour into ITI, all that. Second area in our global impact is, is supporting various church planters and missionaries around the world, some locally, some around the world. We, we, there are some amazing people that we as a church support in some really dark, dangerous places. They're bringing the love of Jesus. So that's the second part of what we do. Third, a huge heartbeat of our global impact is the area of poverty, especially children who are in, in poverty. The statistics are overwhelming. I won't even share those. They're, they're overwhelming. So a few years ago, we established a partnership with an organization known as Compassion International, which opened up incredible doors for us as a church to impact hundreds of children and families in Peru, helping release them from poverty through an amazing thing called child sponsorship. You're gonna hear more about that in a little bit. And you're gonna hear more about what we as a church I'm going to come back up in, in a little and just share what we as a church are, are doing and prove so many exciting things. Okay, so you're going to hear more about that. But I have just been so impressed with the Ministry of Compassion International and their passion to release children from poverty, the horrible impact of poverty in Jesus' name. And I'm so thankful for our partnership with Compassion. Well, today, we have the incredible privilege of hearing from Wes Stafford, um, who is President Emeritus of Compassion International. He served as President and CEO of Compassion for 20 years, and he is retired, uh, in quotes, right, because he's still investing a great deal of his heart and his life in, in this amazing organization. He doesn't do a lot of speaking, 
um, events, but we were able to get him to come um, to Christ Community this weekend and pour his heart into us. He's the author of a couple books, and you can find those on on Amazon. Um, and uh, so I want I want to let's just give a, a greeley welcome to Wes Stafford. Wes, if you would come on up here. And I want to, I want to pray for him. So God, thank you for Wes. Thank you for him being here. Thank you for this man and the way you have used him to impact millions of people, Lord. So many people and the ripple impact of his life. And we thank you that he's here. I really kind of feel like all we need to do is close in prayer. Wasn't that a wonderful time of worship? Mm. What a privilege to be uh, with you guys here. Uh, when I do speak, it's usually several time zones away from where I live. And so I always come across, you know, jet lagged and I don't know what's going on. This time, you're right in my own state. It took me two hours to drive up here this afternoon and uh, I feel right at home with, uh, with you guys. I have a huge respect for Pastor Allen, although we just recently met. Uh, hearing who he is, uh, how he has shepherded you for 33 years. Do you realize how, how, how blessed you are to have a pastor like that? You know that, I can see that. Most pastors would have gone through about seven churches during that span of time. And he has stayed here and he has shepherded you uh, remarkably. And I can see, I can see the difference. I can see it, how you worship. I can feel uh, the difference here. You are living out your faith right here in Greeley. Uh, you're living it out in, uh, in Colorado. And you're allowing compassion to join others that you're working with, missionaries, to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. And to me, that's about as exciting as a church can possibly get. It's an honor for Compassion to get to partner with you in this. I understand that there's a lot of you who sponsor children already. Would you raise your hand if you are a sponsor already? Oh my goodness. Okay, this is now a shareholders meeting. I think we change everything here. I, uh, I, I feel um, very privileged to know who you are, Rob Kelly our Rocky Mountain uh, manager around this part of the country, uh, described what you are doing as a church. He described uh, what you're doing with compassion. And I was a little bit intimidated because I figured when I get here, everybody is gonna be 10 feet tall or able to leap buildings in a single bound. And I'm relieved to look at you and realize, no, you're, you're just like me, except you have enormous hearts to take on what you are doing and what you're envisioning doing in the future, and I'm incredibly excited about that. And this, uh, normally when I'm out speaking, I'm having to convince people that children matter, that they are the poorest and the poor, and they deserve to get to the front of the line, not just the end of the line. But I know that I don't have to do this here with you guys, so this feels a little bit like vacation to me. Um, I don't have to convince you, but what I'm gonna do instead is I'm gonna to try to encourage you in what I know you are doing. And I wanna to try to arm you for the battle to speak on behalf of the little ones and to speak on behalf of the poor. 
Uh, what you may not know is not everybody knows what you know, and not everybody does what you do as a church right here in Greeley. So I know this, when we speak of children in poverty, we get really close to the heart of God and to the priorities of his kingdom. So would you, would you pray with me as we start? Lord, we step onto holy ground in the next few minutes as we get this close to your heart and to your nature. It's all so different from how most people tend to live in this fallen world. And I know you don't need me and my words to do your work in our hearts. So let the words of my mouth be your words and the meditation of our hearts be your thoughts. And may they be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So today I want to talk to two groups of people. I want to talk to you who are sponsors, and I want to talk to you who have gathered here together who are not sponsors, but are open to listening and to hearing what it would be like to have you moved into the battle of the lives of the little ones in poverty. Both are heroic. The vast majority of even really good people, I mean really committed Christians, do nothing about the poor. Like the priest and the Levite in the Good Samaritan story, they walk on the other side, turn their faces away, and end up doing nothing about it. And that is precisely the problem in our world. Edmund Burke said, all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. Albert Einstein said it this way, the world's a dangerous place to live, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who don't do anything about it. 45 years of ministry among the poor in my life, I've wondered why is it good people do nothing? Why would they pass by and look the other direction? And I've come to this conclusion after 45 years. Number one, they do that because they don't know what to do. And number two, they don't know who to trust. And in all these years, I've never come upon reason number three. So Compassion International has existed for 72 years, primarily to offer people a loving, practical, strategic thing to do and to be a trustworthy channel of blessing. Sponsoring a child, being a rescuer, a champion of a little child is a profoundly Christian act. It's not all one should do about poverty, but you can do this, you've proven you can do this, and as Christians, each of us probably shouldn't be doing less. So why do I care? Why would I give 45 years of my life to this? You have to understand where I came from. In fact, every sponsor, if we were to ask you, why do you sponsor a child? We all have a story of, of why we care. We're exceptions to, to the norm. And I'm clearly an exception to the norm. I was, I was born the son of missionaries. Ken and Marge Stafford from Denver, Colorado, just down the road, attended Judson Memorial Baptist Church. Uh, they were missionaries to West Africa. I grew up in a little village in the Ivory Coast of West Africa, the only white child for 100 miles in any direction. Prayed every night, please, Lord, let me wake up black like all of my friends. Be the first thing I would check every morning. I'd throw off my sheet, still white, but maybe tomorrow. 
They loved on me. I tell people everything I needed to know to lead Compassion's worldwide ministry. I learned from the poor in that village, but we were desperately poor. And poverty stole my friends one by one by one. Malaria, measles, snake bite. We had to bury them the same day that they died because we had no electricity, no way to embalm them. We had no telephone, no radio, uh, no refrigerator. So the village gathered together the very day that the child died, and we would gather together and mourn the loss of yet another child. And I would listen to the stories of my friends and, and think, Lord, why do you keep taking the best? You keep taking them, and for some reason, I keep on living. And I used to lie in my little bunk at night. I could listen to the drums. I could understand the drums. It's how we communicated from village to village. They told the stories of my little friends, what they had wanted to be, what they hoped to become. And I would lie there in the hot tropical nights. My eyes would well, well up with tears. It would spill into my ears. They would well up with tears. They would eventually spill onto my pillow and I would drift to sleep. But a few days later, it would be another one of my friends. By the time I was 15 years old and came to America to live, half of all of my childhood buddies had died. And I thought that's how the world is. I saw it in the animal kingdom, the elderly and the young die. What I didn't realize is that it was something called poverty that was breaking my heart night after night after night. I came to America, first place I saw was Manhattan of all places. Talk about coming from a desert village to Manhattan. Uh, and in my first day, I had this great epiphany as I wandered into my first grocery store and my first pharmacy. There is plenty of food in the world and there is plenty of medicine. My friends didn't need to die. And I fell into a rage that lasted all the way through high school in America. Today, if poverty and I were two little guys on the playground duking it out, and the teacher jumped in between and said, hey, 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 stop this, who started this? I could honestly say, he did. He broke my heart when I was a little guy, and all I'm doing with my life is fighting back. And that's what led me ultimately 45 years ago to compassion. I am back and forth across this world now. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Kenya. Uh, last Sunday, I was in uh, Alabama. It's a hard job. I, across the world, I'm called on to comfort the afflicted. And then I come back to my own country and I'm called on to afflict the comforted. To do that with the same love has always been quite a challenge. So we are blessed, we in our country. It's not our fault that we're blessed, but we are blessed in order to be a blessing. Luke 12, 48 says, much is required from those to whom much is given for the responsibility is greater. We have the responsibility to be grateful and to be compassionate, to do something about those who are trapped in poverty. So let me, let me arm you for this battle. What are our responsibilities toward the poor? You know, it's very rarely spoken of in churches across America. Christ Community Church is quite different in this. They gather, they worship, and they live as if poverty doesn't exist. Or if it does, it has nothing to do really with them. But we are the first generation after World War II, the first generation who will not be able to stand before our Lord. As we're told in Matthew 25, 31 to 46, we will one day at that judgment day of the sheep and goats 
We are the first generation who won't be able to stand and say, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know you cared. I didn't know you expected me to do anything about that. The scriptures are very, very clear about God's heart for the poor and what he expects of us. There are 2,100 verses in the Bible that speak of God's heart for the poor and speak to the rich warnings about how they should live in a world of hurting people. Many of those verses refer to the rich. And it's easy for us to say, yeah, you rich guys, we're talking to you, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, you guys, you rich guys, listen up. But I'm here to tell you, you could take the word rich in any one of those verses, cross it out and write in your own name because everyone sitting in this room is among the wealthy. Let me do a little test on you. Look down at your feet. How many of you are wearing shoes? Yeah, that puts you among the wealthy of the world. Two thirds of our world doesn't have shoes. If you have safe running water in your house, you're rich. If it's hot, well, you're even richer. If you slept on a mattress last night, you're rich. If you have access to medical care, if you're injured or sick, yep, you're rich. And if you open the door to your house this morning and what you saw on your yard was the United States of America, you are among the 5% wealthiest people in the world. So what does God say to us rich people about the poor? Here's basically what those verses all condense down. God says in these 2,100 verses, the poor matter to me. What you do for them, you do for me. And what you don't do for them, you miss the chance to do for me. Two messages among these 2,100 verses. The first message is, if you mess with the poor, God says, you are messing with me. And by the way, doing very little for the poor is basically messing with them. The second message is this, if you will bless the poor, I promise you, I will bless you. One of my pastor friends of a wealthy community uh, in uh, suburban Chicago, I heard him say one time, if things aren't going well in your life, if the gears seem to grind and don't mesh smoothly, stop and examine your relationship to the poor. I heard him say that and I thought, really? Does scripture really say something like that? You mess with the poor, you mess with me? Well, let me give you a quick walkthrough of just a couple of the verses. Here's a big question. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? What was it about them that so angered God that he went down and he destroyed them? He put his plan in place in Genesis 18:20, he says this, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see it for myself. And you know what he did, don't you? He destroyed both of those cities with fire and brimstone. 400 years later, God explained himself through the prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 and 50. Listen carefully to this. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this is the sin of your sister Sodom. She was arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. 
They were haughty and they did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. Did you count that? The sexual sin that we, account, that we normally attach to Sodom and Gomorrah is sin number six, way down the list. What angered him most was their indifference to the poor. How strongly does God feel about this, the shaping of his people in the book of Exodus? Uh, listen to the heart of the Lord on this, Exodus 22:22. Do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with a sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. Those are powerful, scary verses on that side, and I'm depressing myself. So let me move on quickly to the other half of those verses. There's good news. This is Proverbs 19:17, written by the wisest, wealthiest man who ever lived. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Proverbs 19:17, Isaiah 58, a powerful chapter. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs. Most people I've discovered when you ask them, what does the Bible say about the poor? What verse do you know about the poor? Think of one verse. You know what it is? Yeah, the poor you will have with you always. That's almost always the first verse about 95% of the time. It's as if at that point, because Jesus spoke those words, as if Jesus then threw his hands up and said, so what are you going to do about it? Do you know the next words out of Jesus' mouth, what they were? The poor you will have with you always, and you can help them anytime you want. He was quoting from a very familiar passage, a precious passage, Deuteronomy 15, verses 10 and 11, which say this, give generously. Because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Oh, here it is. There will always be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. Do you see the principle? There it is as clear as a bell. It's now in the form of a commandment. Therefore, I command you. Those words were spoken probably just weeks after Moses came down off of the mountain with the 10 commandments. It's like, oh, there's an 11th commandment. You gotta be compassionate as your heavenly father is compassionate. We cannot separate ourselves from the poor and expect to experience the fullness of the abundant life that he came to give. Okay, there's the scriptural foundation of that. The question you may be asking, okay, okay, so what do I do? How should I live? Let me tell you ever so briefly about Compassion International. Listen to it and see if it matches your heart and if it's what you ought to be a part of. Understand, first of all, it's Christ-centered. It was founded by a pastor 72 years ago, brokenhearted about the orphans in South Korean war. We are now 3,400 worldwide staff in 27 countries. Every single one of us committed Christ followers. 97, 98% of our sponsors are just like you. They are Christians living out their faith 
in a hurting world. We believe the scripture that says, what does a man profit? What does a child profit? If they gain the whole world, but lose their own soul. So bringing these children to a relationship with Jesus Christ is huge with us. We know last year, for example, of the 2.2 million children being sponsored by people just like you, 500 of them give their lives to Jesus Christ every single day. Yeah, if that isn't a clap. That's at the knee of their pastor or with some Christian in their community. Think about that. Alan, how, how many does this sanctuary seat? Uh, 800. 800. It would take two days, almost three days, for compassion to fill every seat in this sanctuary with a number of children who are coming to Christ in this ministry. And some of them are your children in Peru. Got to understand that we are a servant to the church. 8,200 churches in their very poorest communities around the world. And our mission is enabling the church to be salt and light to hurting communities. Every single child is touched by a local body of believers. 209,000 church-level workers are blessing the children that you sponsor. And those children spend eight hours every week in their little local church, just like yours down in Peru. Yes, they're being fed, they're being helped with their homework, they're being taught health practices, uh, they're making it on soccer teams, volleyball teams, learning how to paint. They are doing all kinds of child development, child discipleship activities in those settings. What Compassion does is it try to maintain a low profile. When I was president, I didn't allow our vehicles to have Compassion International on them. We wanted to be invisible because if anybody was gonna get thanked, we wanted to be that local pastor. We wanted to be that local congregation. We wanted that community to say to them, why do you love our children like this? And give the church to say, it's about the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we do this. We began the work in Tanzania about 10 years ago. And I went to Tanzania. I, I gave the lecture to 300 pastors about who was Compassion, what kind of a partner would we be for their little churches, how Compassion works. I went away. I came back three years later. I met with the same 300 pastors. I said, last time I was here, it was just words. But now we've had three years of experience. I want to know, did I tell you the truth? Were my words true? And there was smiling all among the 300 pastors. And they finally one said, yeah, everything you said was true, but you didn't tell us the best thing. And I says, what was the best thing? And they said, you didn't tell us that our churches were going to triple in size during this three years. And I said, no. How do you think that happened? And they said, you gave us our community. They said, you allowed us to bring two or 300 children into our churches for eight hours every week. You allowed us to bless those children. They went home and told mom and dad, it was a Muslim community. They went home and told mom and dad about the gospel, got mom and dad to start praying before their meals. And the people of that community came down to the church and said, tell us about this. Why, why do you love our children like that? The pastor said, one way or another, we discovered in our research that for every sponsored child, think of your sponsored child, for every sponsored child in our church 
project with compassion. There are 30 people in the community that we as a church have credible access to. We can go into those homes. We can pray with them because they care about that sponsored child. It's aunt and uncle, grandma and grandpa, friends. The multiplication effect is incredible. Think about that, the 400 sponsors right here in this church. That's 12,000 people beyond your sponsored child that you are allowing those churches to reach with the gospel. That's quite a multiplication effect. I told you about credibility. People don't do it because they don't know who to trust. We believe in compassion. If you lack integrity, you lack everything. We've got testimonials from the Wall Street Journal's Smart Money magazine. Uh, the highest possible ratings from Ministry Watch, Charity Navigator. What I love most is when sponsors travel out there to see it for themselves. I'm like, you wonder if it's real? Do you wonder if we're really doing it? I don't know. Hop on an airplane and go see it. Pastor Allen did that last month. I love it when, when people go and check it out for themselves. And then lastly, let me say, um, our focus is children, as we've, we've said. They are the poorest of the poor. Poverty is cruelest to them. Every societal ill spins downward, and it lands on the heads of our weakest, most vulnerable citizens. All of the evils, famine, disease, war, pornography, prostitution, broken homes, these children are powerless, they're unorganized, they lack resources to speak up on their own. Proverbs 31.8 says, so speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. They're even often overlooked by the church itself. In my book, Too Small to Ignore, I call ministry to children often the great omission in the great commission. So what is this thing called poverty and why would we do sponsorship to attack it? Poverty is not what we often think it is. I know about poverty from having grown up in a village of my first 15 years, got a PhD in this field, and now 45 years of ministry with one of the most remarkable poverty-fighting organizations there is. And here's what I got to tell you guys. It is not about circumstances. Poverty is not about water, sanitation, hygiene, health, environment. Those are all symptoms of poverty. Those are the things, the debilitating things that hang around with poverty. If you can take a picture of it, it's not poverty. It's a symptom of poverty. And yes, it's good to remove those blockages from people. Good to put in wells to build housing and such. But you got to understand that uh, while it's good to do good, it's, that is not strategic kingdom good. It's like having a bad fruit tree in your backyard that puts out really bad, worthless fruit year after year. And it's probably good to pick that fruit and throw it away. But sooner or later, you got to ask yourself, why is this happening? What's at the root of this problem? Why is it every year we have the same problems off this tree? And this ultimately is what poverty is about and what you as Christians should understand this better than anyone. Poverty is an inside-out issue. It's a mindset. It's a deep-rooted message that rolls down through the generations. And it says to a little child, the child says, I don't matter. I will never succeed. Nobody cares. Why should I hope? Why should I try? Nothing can ever change. It starts with suffering, it moves to hopelessness, it moves on to apathy, and finally to fatalism. A child gives up. And a message that a child doesn't matter is a message straight from the gates of hell. 
There's a battle over our heads raging between the hosts of heaven and the hordes of hell over each and every child. And Satan is consumed with breaking God's heart. And he loves it when a little child gives up. That little flame of hope and dignity made in the image of God flickers and can go out as early as age five. Compassion's strategy is to surround that child with love and hope and fan those dying embers until a little flame comes back and a child is rescued. And the way we do that is surround that child with a pastor, a local village church, compassion staff, and a sponsor all the way over in Colorado. All of us saying together, don't you believe those lies? You do matter. You matter to God and you matter to me. The process out of poverty is a path that goes down this road. The most strategic and loving thing you can do for a child in poverty is bring them to a relationship with their heavenly father. When a child in Compassion's program, your sponsored child, learns that God knows my name, God knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows the pattern of my fingerprints. He would have died on the cross if I was the only child on earth. They come to a very important conclusion on the way out of poverty, and that is, well, maybe I do matter. And as they're in the program and they feel a little bit of success, they get the first grade, the second grade, their health is restored. They come to a second thing, and that is, if I matter, then maybe what I think matters. And now this is where you come in with your letters because what we try to do to the little child is say, you're right, sweetheart. So we wanna know, what do you think? What's going on in your little heart? Can you sing it with me on a guitar? Can you paint it on an easel? Can you write it in a letter to your sponsor all the way across the world? What's going on? And the little child experiences little success upon little success until finally it's adolescence. And it's so fun when they're adolescents. Because now they stand up to their full height and they are pretty confident. They say, you want to know what I think? I'll tell you what I think. I don't think my community should look like that. And I don't think people should treat each other like that. And you see that over there? That's wrong. And I think I can fix that. When a child goes to, I am nothing and I can do nothing, why should I even hope to, I think I can make my world a better place. You have just won the war on poverty. And it starts with the love of God lived out and it ends with the love of God breathed out by that child as they grow. A million children have graduated from Compassion's program. And so we fight for these little ones. We fight to give them a chance to escape poverty. And this is where a sponsor is so important. Your words really, really matter to this little child. So let me close with one story that may ring true with a child that you sponsor. So this was a little kid in Kenya, and he started out at this end of the spectrum, didn't think he mattered, uh, no reason to hope for anything in his life. He was assigned a British school teacher to, uh, to be his sponsor. And so in his first letters, he wrote what you would expect from a little guy that didn't believe in himself. He wrote, you can see from the picture of me they sent that I'm not very handsome. And she wrote back and she said, I got your picture on my desk in my classroom. I look at you every day. I think you're a very handsome little guy. He said, whoa. A few months later, he writes, well, you can see from my report card, I'm not very smart. And she wrote back, that was hard on a teacher, as you can imagine. She wrote back and she said, you're as smart as you need to be to be anything God wants you to be. And this little Kenya boy begins to believe there's somebody watching him, watching him grow, believing in him. He starts to look at, what, what am I good at? 
Finally, at age eight, he discovers something. And he writes to his sponsor in England and he says, guess what I just learned? I can run faster than anybody in my classroom. There's 20 of us and I won the blue ribbon today. And this sponsor, understanding this path out of poverty, said, wow, that's wonderful. That is so wonderful. It sounds like you found something you're good at, so get good at it. So the little guy starts running seriously. A few years later, he writes back and he says, well, guess what now? I run faster than anybody in my school. And she writes back, wow, it sounds like you're doing great. Be a good runner. A few years later, he writes back to the same sponsor. Guess what now? I run faster than almost anybody in Kenya. I'm on the Olympic team. I'm a marathoner. Yeah, so the marathon, uh, the, the, the Olympics were held in uh, South Korea and he won a medal. We thought, let's route him home to, uh, to Kenya by way of England. Let him meet his sponsor face to face. By now she is retired and um, she can't walk. Her, her legs uh, have gone bad. She's in a wheelchair. But this big, tall Kenya marathoner comes to her little cottage. She's retired in the south of England. He has to stoop low to get inside her door. But when he stands up to his full Olympic height, he looks at this little old lady and he holds up this medal. He says, this is for you. And she said, no, 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 no. I watched you on television this time. You're so fast. I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. And he said, no, no, sweetheart, stop. If you hadn't believed in me when I was eight years old and told me to run, I never would have run. This is your victory. And oh Christ community, I wish I could promise you that every child on that table out there uh, was knit by God in their mama's womb with the DNA to be an Olympic champion. We would all have a holy stampede out. Let me have the Olympian, okay? I want to sponsor the Olympian. They're not, but I can tell you this, every single one of them were knit by God Almighty in their mother's womb. Every bit of their DNA with a hope and a plan and a future, just waiting to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. And you are someone who can do that for that child, if you will. So some of you, it's possible sponsoring a child may be the most profoundly Christian thing you have ever done. It may not seem like it. It's not that hard. It's not that costly. Uh, you got to wonder, really, is this something that actually touches the kingdom of heaven? When scripture says, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, that may come full circle one day when we actually live the judgment of Matthew 25, verse 40. And our Lord, according to that story, uh, told by Jesus himself, will say to us, so what did you do when I was hungry? And what did you do when I was thirsty? And what did you do when I was naked? And it's very likely we're going to stand there thinking, I don't know, Lord, I never, I never saw you hungry. I never saw you thirsty. I never saw you naked. And you're going to be standing there empty-handed when I am convinced you will feel a little hand slip into yours and you will hear a little voice, probably in Spanish, who will say, Lord, I can speak on her behalf. When I was hungry, she saw that I was fed. And when I was thirsty, she put a well in my community. And when I was naked, she clothed me. 
And Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the King of kings, our Redeemer, will say, that's exactly what I was talking about. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did it for me. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Oh, I pray that it'll be so for you. I pray it'll be so for me. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I love so I love what Wes had to say, and and I think sometimes we hear about these global things going on in the world, and we're like, I don't know what I could do um, about that to make an impact. But because of our partnership with Compassion, we can make a tangible impact in the lives of specific children and specific families who are caught in the destructive cycle of poverty. So, two years ago, we adopted an area in. Peru, a city known as Colique. We made it our goal to sponsor all the children that Compassion had identified in that particular area. And that happened. You guys are amazing. This church is currently sponsoring 474 children, most of whom are in that region. Now, by child sponsorship, I'm talking about how for $38 a month, you can help provide food and clean water and medical assistance and educational opportunities and life skill training and most importantly, the opportunity to hear about Jesus and be encouraged to develop a lifelong relationship with God. So 474 children are experiencing that because of you, because of this church. Now, the other cool thing Wes mentioned there about child sponsorship is you can write your child um, and build a relationship with your specific child, with him or her, encouraging them and letting them know that they're loved. It is so much more than just $38 a month. It is a relational connection that you have with this child and with their family. Um, and and, and uh, yeah, you can give gifts to the child, like birthday gifts if you wanted to do that or whatever, but you could also give a, give a Christmas gift to the family and the family gets blessed by that. So there's just so many cool connections. So we adopted this area of Colique and because of your amazing response, we basically ran out of children to sponsor in that area um, since Colique is, it, it, it's pretty much covered, right? So we're, we're trying to figure out what's the next step so we began praying, uh, just what is the next step for our church? If Colique is kind of, you know, we've really sponsored all the kids available there. We began praying about that. We began talking about that a couple months ago and talking with compassion. What might a next step be um, since Colique is pretty much covered? And so just a few weeks ago, like two, two weeks ago, we found out about a very impoverished village in Peru where there is no child development center. So none of the children in this area have the opportunity to even be sponsored and to receive food and clean water and medicine and to hear about Jesus. It's an area known as Casario Alan, um, which is interesting, it's spelled a-L-A-N, uh, just like my name. Uh, that's not why we chose it, I promise. Um, but we chose it because of the need. Okay, look, there, there are 200, there are about 200 families in this village. None of the houses have potable water. 
40% of the people are illiterate. The children suffer from malnutrition, respiratory problems, acute diarrhea because of the water, and infections. Many of the moms, they're teenagers. The average income in this village is $90 a, a month, 90 US dollars a month. Well, there is a church in this area that wants to become a child development center. I think we just got a photo um, actually today of this pastor and his wife in, in front of their church. This church wants to begin caring for children in their community, knowing that as they do that, they're going to reach families as well with the gospel, right? So this church, they, they, they want and they need, they need help to become a child development center with compassion. Now look, I just came back from the DR um, on a compassion vision trip and I saw firsthand the impact that church can have when it becomes a child development center. The first day we were in a relatively new center in a very poor area outside of Santo Domingo and amazing ministry um, and they're just kind of starting up as a child development center. And then the next day we went to in the city, the heart of Santo Domingo, neighborhood and, and all that. And uh, there was a, a development center that had been operating for a number of years. And the ministry they have is amazing in terms of the kids and the activities. The kids are learning music and they put on this amazing worship service. It was just so, so cool. And so this is, these child development centers are so powerful. They, they start helping children. I saw this firsthand. They start helping children when they're in the womb. Okay, they're in the womb. And then it continues through the teenage years, helping these young people find vocation and college or whatever. So the impact on children and families is incredible. Okay, so when we heard about this church in this village of Casario Alan wanting to become a child development site, we were like, we're in. We want to make that happen. We as a church want to help make that happen. We want to help them establish a child development center. And we want to try to sponsor some kids in that area. So here's what this means. It means there are two ways that you can make an impact in this specific area of Peru. One is to begin raising funds to help, the, we wanna begin raising funds to help this church become a child development center by November. So you can, you can make a one-time financial donation, multiple times if you want, but it's, just, it's not an ongoing thing. We're just trying to raise the money to make this happen. The total cost of this is 35, it's about $35,000. And beginning today, we are gonna re, we're receiving donations from this church, from all of us here, we're receiving donations for this project, okay? So to contribute to this, you can click on the QR code in your newsletter, or you can just go through the usual Christ Community donation process, and you'll see on the drop-down menu, there's a, a new item now, Compassion International Center. When you give to that specific fund, your gift is going to go directly to make this development center happen in this city of Alan, okay? So let's do this, all right? We're doing it as a church. The second way you can make an impact in this area is by sponsoring a child in that specific village. Right now, there are 139 specific children in that village whose family has requested a sponsor. And, and we have identified, Compassion has also identified other additional children who live in that, in that nearby, nearby in this area. So for $38 a month, you can be that person who impacts the life of that specific child, of a specific child in that area. So just in $38 a month, 
for some, that's a huge thing, and I realize that. And But, but I, I want to just, so there are all sorts of creative ways that we can look at this. So the other, about a month, a couple months ago, I got tired of my Comcast bill saying, being so high. And so then I realized, why are we paying for this landline that we never use? And so I went to Comcast. I said, I just want internet. And then I went to YouTube uh, TV and ordered that. I'm saving $60 a month just by not having a landline, $60 a month. And uh, that just becomes resources where, okay, what can we do with this money to help someone else in need? So just lots of creative ideas that I encourage you to think about. Okay, so here's the cool thing. In the lobby, we have three specific tables, three tables set up, and on those three tables are those 139 children, packets for each one of those 139 children. And so I want to encourage you to consider going to a table, prayerfully picking a child um, that you can begin helping and then having a relationship with, the sponsorship, the $38, and then just communicating. So please do not take a packet home with you without filling out the information and turning in the tear-off portion. If a packet disappears, if you take it, put it in your purse or whatever, and then you forget about it, that child will be delayed in getting a sponsor. Okay, so once you fill out the information, it's a very simple process. Compassion will take it from there. They'll communicate with you, you picture all, well, you have the picture of the child. You can, you can use, they have an amazing app where you can send a, a letter to um, your kid. You can, you can send a, a birthday gift or Christmas gifts. Uh, Raylene and I and Josh, we sponsor three kids from Peru, and we just sent a letter the other day. Uh, my phone just got on there. It's just so amazing. You can upload pictures, send it a few minutes. And in the DR, we met some people in that area, the Compassion Center. Their job is they literally take the, the letter that you send as a sponsor, and they are translating it, and they're making sure it gets to your child. And then within a few months, you will receive a letter from your child, and, and that they've, they're responding to your questions and all that. It's really an amazing process. Now, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you're watching this online, you can sponsor a child as well in this region beyond the 139 that are on the tables here. And so there, there are about 161 children in the broader region nearby that we've, that, whose parents have also requested a sponsor. So if you're watching online, there's a link that's provided for you right now. It'll take you directly to be able to pick a, a child in that, that little broader area. If you're here in person, do not use, please, don't use that link because we want to make sure all 139 children on these tables are our priority. If you have any questions about any of this, please talk to people at the tables. We have compassion representatives here as well. And I, look, I am so excited about this opportunity we have to transform. There's no, no other churches working there. We, we have the opportunity to transform this community with the love of Jesus by helping a church become a child development center and then by sponsoring these 139 plus children in this area of Casaria Alon. So thank you for being such an amazingly generous church. You guys are amazing. Now, obviously, if, if you want to invest in the ministry of Christ community beyond compassion, beyond, you know, the emphasis today, uh, there are all sorts of ways to do that, and you know all the ways you can give here, and, and you're, you all are so generous. Thank you. God is using this church to impact not only people around the world, but also people here 
in this family and in this community. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for investing in what God is doing here. Okay, so we wanna, I wanna, uh, we wanna allow you time. Um, we're finishing a, a, about 10 minutes early, and we wanna allow you time to go out and just check out the tables, ask any questions or whatever. So we're gonna dismiss you. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna dismiss you just a little early. Please do not pick up your kids early because they have things planned for the kids, so you have 10 minutes or so just to kind of hang out. And we encourage you that you can pick your kids up at 6.30, but encourage you to check out the tables and just uh, have any of your questions answered. So I'm gonna pray. Let me pray for us and for these particular needs. In fact, why don't we stand? Let's all stand. You've been sitting for a while here. I wanna pray and then I wanna speak a blessing over you. So Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you that the poor matter to you. They matter to you. Your heart is moved by the poor. And we want our hearts, God, you're moving our hearts and we want them to continue to be moved by the plight of those in poverty. And so we wanna say yes to you in this partnership, whatever that looks like. Would you show each one of us here how you want us to respond to this need? God, we thank you for the 477 children who are being sponsored by people in this church. Bless those children, bless their families, bless these relationships, God. And we pray for all of those, these 139 children and the 161 and just a little larger area of, of Casario who, who need a sponsor. We are asking you to provide for them, Lord. And we pray for this church, this, this husband and wife who are, I don't even know their names yet, but I'm gonna know their names. Lord, this church in, in, in Casario, we pray blessing upon that couple and their heart and the leaders there and their heart to minister to their community through their church. And so we're praying for the provision for this to become a child development site and that that, that church would be impacted. The families in that community would be impacted. The gospel would go forth in such a significant way. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. So Christ community, just receive this blessing from the Lord. Now may the Lord pour into your heart his love. May you know how much he loves you. And may you walk in that love. May you see, may you see with his eyes and may your heart be moved by his compassion and may you say yes to whatever he's asking you to do. No guilt, no obligation here, just an invitation from him. May you say yes to whatever he is asking you to do. And may you live wherever you go this week. May you carry his love with you. And may it spill over into the lives of everyone you come in contact with. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Christ community. Great to be with you. Again, you have 10 minutes before you can pick up kids, so go out to the tables. There are three tables out there. God bless you. We'll see you next week. All right, so thank you for tuning in. And if, if by chance that your heart has been turned towards the kids in uh, Alon, uh, Peru, Peru? Yeah. Um, there's the opportunity to help sponsor a child and um, go to our site at cccgreeley.org or you can go to our app to be 
connected to s- someone in that yeah, way. Yeah, and if and if you want to contribute towards the building of this new compassion center, you could actually find how to do that in the same locations that KJ just gave us. Well done. Yeah. <laughs>